0: into the unknown and taking courageous action as those were the moments when you chose leadership. At the end, I will share how you can be our next guest on this podcast. And with that, let's get started. Hari is the India head of HR at the Iris Software Group. In the interview, Hari candidly shares his journey from navigating the intricacies of business relationships to the challenges of managing a diverse and global team. Hari emphasizes the importance of accountability, culture and adaptability. With a touch of humor and a personal touch, he unveils the complexities of managing a large organization while staying true to his values of openness, genuine communication and a commitment to sustainable growth. Hi, Hari. Welcome to the Choosing Leadership Podcast.
1: Thank you, much. Thanks for the opportunity. Really looking forward for a good conversation.
0: It's a pleasure to have you here. Why don't you start by sharing a little bit about yourself?
1: Sure. I'm Hari Hariharan Subramanian. People call me Hari. And I've been with the HR industry for a little more than 18 years now. Did my post-graduation in HR. Never thought of HR to be a profession at that point of time because not much of awareness what is this subject all about, but got introduced through one of my mentors. And then there it took off. Started my career with PCS as a campus recruitment person. And then did a little bit of business HR and then opportunity t- took me to Oracle where I was a HR business partner for a few business units. And then then moved on to Capgemini. I was part of the Capgemini financial services, not the, not the current Capgemini now, the Capgemini financial services, which was Cap Capgemini when CanBe was acquired by Capgemini. And I was taking care of the Chennai region for them. And I think there it was a very nice thing for about uh, six plus years where I could see what I can do better, where, what are my strengths and where I need to work on. Then I joined Aspire Systems, where I was taking care of HR for India. And then when I left, I uh, took care of HR for India and Europe. And then recently, I've joined in the month of January. It's going to be a year now
0: with Iris Software. So currently, I'm heading to HR for India for Iris Software Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I think that must be quite an journey, right? So can you share what like, what excites you the most about what you do, right? It's HR, it's people, but it's also leadership, right? You're leading like huge divisions. So can you share a bit more of your backstory and how do you connect the dots looking forward?
1: Yeah, I would say that as it goes, you also get matured. You also understand the business much more. And then business partnering was a fancy ter- term earlier, but it has become mm. the order of the day right? You need to know the business. You need to know what kind of technology they are working on, what kind of target audience they are looking for, and how we can tap the right market. So you become an a integral part of the business. Moved Thanks to all the predecessors in this industry, I think they've moved HR from an administrative or a supportive role to an integral part and a business partnering role and having a seat at the table. And that's, the, that's where I am now. So I think I'm enjoying the fruit of all the hard work that was done by British sisters in the HR industry. Having said that, it also becomes much more tangible and much more accountable this role is because both top line and bottom line, how we are contributing, how we are contributing on a day-to-day business act, how are we value-adding, right? Because we are dealing with human. So we are dealing with behaviors. We are dealing with cultures. We are dealing with values. So there as a leader, when I look at it, I would say the highest level of accountability Managing the ethics in the organization, managing the integrity in the organization, managing the diversity in the organization is is very interesting. And that's what probably makes me run every day to that.
0: Yeah. Thank you for adding that part about being a partner, having a seat on the table and being accountable. So given your current role, can you share what are some of those key accountabilities for you or for your organization that must happen in the next, let's say, one or two years for the organization itself to be successful? Sure. I think I joined
1: this company in a particular time period where they are basically a UK-based organization. So they are a giant there. They've been there for the last 45 years in the industry. That's what Iris Software Group is all about. They are a product company. And India is now considered as an important region for their growth aspect. And it has always been, but the vigorousness that we are concentrating now, because when I joined in January, 2023 versus now we have grown 50% in India. So that's a big leap for them. And now the challenges are like, okay, what are all the new things that we are going to do and every team that is there in India, in UK, they have a team in India as well, and then we are actually selling Iris to Iris kind of a model where I play a vital role in terms of helping them to understand the opportunities, skills, and the talent that is available in India so that we will be able to get more opportunities here directly from the client and also through our other teams that are sitting. Uh, That would be a key thing because we have to grow. And if we need to grow globally, India has to grow, right? Right. And, And I play that crucial role. Probably it helps me because I sit here, my boss sits there. So we exchange knowledge in terms of what happens. Then I need to keep educating them that this will work here. This will not work here. This is how it works here. So that keep on educating it helps them to smoothen the entire process and makes it on a progressive mode. So that would be the progress for the next two years, globally aligning more and then bringing more business to India and diversifying the talent and working on new technologies.
0: Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Right. So what, how do you measure that? What are some of the key metrics? Is it number of people or is it progress on the business front? What, how do you measure like success in your role?
1: I would say everything. Retention
0: plays a very important role,
1: obviously, because that is our, uh, otherwise we will be filling the empty bucket. So retention mm-hmm. plays a very important role. Employer branding also plays a very important role because this was a very quiet player in India. So we are taking a lot of measures to communicate about this organization because we are attracting more and more talent. So we are looking at, okay, how our LinkedIn impressions are? How is it reaching? And what are the different mediums that we can use? That is for sure. And then my work is because I take care of the end-to-end of HR, starting from recruitment to business HR, to statutory, to payroll, to operations to employer branding, everything, along with my team, a very small team that we work together. I would say that we are questioned even on like how we can contribute to EBITDA, how we can contribute to overall revenue. Okay, what are our strategies so that, for example, now we are looking at how we can promote people internally so that hire only at a a junior level and then promote more and more the high performers. So all those things, I think we are getting measured on all angles. These are the key metrics, I would say.
0: Yeah. And in the last few <laughs> years, the nature of work itself has changed right? With, with COVID, with remote work, with what people expect from their leaders what people expect from HR and just how leaders talk to each other, a lot has changed. What do you see are either the organizational or your own challenges, like the biggest challenges that you face on a day-to-day basis, given the dream, the vision that you just shared?
1: The biggest challenge I would say is educating them on the culture of the organization because bringing that one iris feeling is a big Mm. thing, right? And we are widespread now. What you can bring on your floor, on the working bay, going there and then doing a town hall, communicating, sometimes might touch upon 60, 70%. Whereas doing that through an electronic medium now or black and white takes its own sweet way of it and how people perceive it, how people read it, I would say that is the biggest thing, especially when we are growing, more and more people joining and they are spread out in different parts of the world. And for me, in different parts of India, are they really getting to know about the organization in the right fashion?
0: Mm.
1: How much of our induction you do, how much of our orientation, leadership, connect programs that I do with them, but beyond there is also a space where how they perceive and how they look at Iris. I think that would be the focus area or a challenge that... We need to work on, but I also consider it as a biggest opportunity. Otherwise, probably growth for uh, the organization will not happen unless we have the talent open across. Okay. We can hire anywhere now, and we are able to work with them because most of them are going to work with their UK stakeholders. So whether they are going to work from office or from home, end of the day, their stakeholders or their teams are in UK. So that works out really well, and we are able to reach wider audience.
0: Yeah. And and I think, so I think you started your career a couple of decades ago, if I'm right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Almost two decades. Yeah. Almost so, two decades. So it's very similar for me as well. And one okay. thing which I have noticed, right, that like the younger people, that the new people who are joining can have a very different mindset. And for me, it took a long time to really be open to like always working online. Uh, to the extent that I have heard people saying that if you don't give me that flexibility, then I will look for another job so can you share how has this transition for you because for somebody who has grown on that like human touch human relationships suddenly adapting to a very digital world can often be very challenging emotionally so can you share how has that transition been for you what was like maybe some of those difficult moments and how have you dealt with that
1: i would say i was quite fortunate that way so the reason is that i was living in poland during covid when this transition happened as part of my previous organization i I was living in poland for for an assignment for about three years and the entire covid period i spent there and that culture is already a working from home culture which was very natural for them and they are not very 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 much towards this touchy feeling thing that you Mm -hmm. have to be in person to connect with somebody was not the culture so somewhere i would say i was in that transition already and then covid also hit But from a variety perspective, yes, it is challenging because you can't talk about emotional connect. You can't talk about, hey, I care for you. Hey, this is your family. I Mm. think those words will not go really well. Everything is getting into a business mode. Everything is getting into a contractual mode. Over and above, there are behavioral things. There are emotional things. I would say that it will go away for sure. But at the same time, more focus is towards clear objectives. Telling what I'm supposed to do, when I'm supposed to deliver, okay? And what is expected out of me. If that clarity is there, I think we are successful. And if there is an ambiguity, I don't think so. I'm sure when you started also, some not every time your manager will tell you what is what you're supposed to do in the next three months. Yeah. You just go with the flow. We never asked, hey, can you give me a gold sheet? Sometimes we might not even know what is there in cards for next six months. Whereas mm-hmm. purpose is very important for these people they are very much value driven and they are very much goal driven so if you give them all these three they will be able to manage and when they connect with you even on an online sessions because sometimes i do one-on-one skip level meetings with them very interesting is, is that they are very sincere towards it if they give a time their dedicated efforts they come back with questions they discuss so i feel that i'm i'm able to communicate to them much more effective. Because they know that they are coming for it. They are not forced to come for it, right? Yeah. So that's the difference.
0: Yeah. And what do you see could be some of those missed opportunity if we are not able to connect like that skip level meetings or that listening or that adaptability also to different uh, cultures, different uh, generations? What do you see are some opportunities that can either get missed or risks that might arise either in your organizations or in the wider, HR scapegoat generation? Sure. I would say that we might miss a good talent
1: because Mm -hmm. if they are not having a buy-in, they are not going to stay with you. Your service agreements or our whatever you call it as a commitment or ethics, all that will not sell. It has to be a a factual and also objective-oriented connect. So -hmm. you need to have it much more frequently. And the binding factor for them is that they enjoy the work. And only when we get to know, we know that, okay, what are all the areas we can tap their talent? Hmm. Probably we would have hired them for something else. And then we are now moving them. I'll give you a classic example. We had one of the person in one of my previous organizations, and then we hired him for some other role. But we, when we followed his social media, we could get that he's an extremely good mean creator. Hmm. And we asked him whether he would be interested to move to a marketing role. Okay. And he said, yes, and then took it because he was more on the creative side than on the typical engineering side. So this frequent conversation, if you are failing to have it, I think even this talent, we can't uh, talk about connect. We can't talk about engagement uh, and uh, our regular set of initiatives. I don't think so that will run.
0: Yeah. Can you share a bit more about uh, those initiatives or interventions? Like, how do you support those key people, especially right? If you talk about a large organization, you would have layers. So, how do you support like the the next, maybe the next couple of layers, and then so that the whole organization, as you said earlier, that alignment, that one company that that is the biggest challenge. So, how do you support some of those key people so that challenge becomes easier?
1: As an organization, I would say that me and my Director operations, both of us are like working together because we first of all discuss and then see what is expected to be communicated to people in a very formal way. So that goes. And then we believe the line managers are the key people in this. Okay, because how they see the organization is how they will communicate. And for their team members, they are management. They don't reach out to the CEO or CHRO every time. They reach out to their respective managers and say, My manager said that, so my management thinks this way. So there there has to be a clear buy-in. And also when we are doing certain communication, obviously every organization does that. What goes in the first layer might be a little more detailed with some business Mm -hmm. background. Whereas when it goes down, it might be a a little more generic. Uh, The reason is probably every time you will not be able to have a very transparent communication. But we have a very successful initiative called Employee Voice Champions. And these are volunteers who are across different departments. And we have a leadership meeting with them every month, okay, to know what is happening. And they come back and tell, hey, this initiative didn't go well. Hey, what you did on the benefit, okay. We get these pulse from the floor, but we also Mm -hmm. need to know the real fact, right? Who are the, for some departments, they would say, this is fantastic, because the company that I'm working on is not just a software company. It's a product company, it's a services company, it's a KPO, it's a BPO, right? Mm. So I work with four different sects simultaneously, which means the asks are different and one size will not fit all. So I need to get inputs from different audience to see how it works. That is very important. And then we also have a global feedback concept called PeepCon, which is like a monthly employee satisfaction, simple questions that they can answer which will go to their managers for them to know, okay, how the team feels. And that also gets work with HR. And then regular things like great place to work or an annual surveys, those things are very different. But we also have steep level meetings where we meet team leaders level. And then we have mentoring sessions for them with their top management. Then we also have high potentials who will be regularly talked to and understand how their career aspirations in line with what we have. Yeah. That's how we identify future
0: leaders. Yeah. And as you spoke about these different uh, units, different types of business as well, right? And people who have their own uh, language uh, to talk about it. uh, How do you deal with, with all the different expectations, all the pressure that comes being like in managing or juggling these multiple bonds? How do you deal with that yourself? What are your own key strengths that allows you to deal with that?
1: I think I would call my biggest strength as flexibility and customization, okay, mm. we need to decide what is one thing that cuts, cuts across and what are all the things that we need to customize. If you are going to see, close our eyes and ears and say that, no, this is how it is for everybody, it will not work, right? For example, a product development comp- uh, team, their technologies are niche. Then what is that extra that I'm going to do in terms of motivating them, recognizing them, challenging them versus how we are going to train a customer support person who's going to take inbound calls and then answer clients. How how am I going to train them on the UK culture so that they will be able to relate to, right? And also benefits as such, basic benefits, we have it common, whereas at the same time, incentivizing certain things or recognizing certain things, how we recognize, what is the frequency of it, what kind of recognitions we do, all that varies from department to department. And I think it is not very easy to be very honest because beyond certain time, it takes a lot of energy to do that. But thankfully, a lot of these line managers helps us in that the department heads helps us, they will be like, hurry, this will not work out here in, you don't in this manner. So we always open for ideas that way. And then, and very important is our average age is about 24, 25. So very young audience, that mm-hmm. is also very important. It's quite challenging, but at the same time, I think that is the best part of working here.
0: Yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think flexibility is, is a key requirement for any leader, right? Especially uh, when you are dealing with a large organization. So yeah. I, I'm glad that that as a strength. But any strength, if you take it too far, can often become also a liability, a weakness. Right. So can you share this? Is there a dark side to this uh, strength for you? Yes, of course. Of course. Who will say no for flexibility? They will be
1: asking yeah. more and more. And somewhere you need to put your foot down and then say sorry. See, being sometimes what I do is I'll ask my team to be the good pup and I will be the bad pup Because somewhere you need to share bad news as well. For example, when you are looking at, when you are looking at an initiative coming up. To, coming up I'm, I'm just giving an example where you come to office. Okay, you have a team lunch. Or a, or a benefit program where you can go with your team and then reimburse some money, then people who are working from home will be like, "Hey, can you give me vouchers?" Hmm. But the objective of it is to connect, meet, not to redeem that money, educating it, and then they will be like, "No, you need to be open." Or oh, people who are working from home are not taken care, kind of things. But you need to probably decide what is the objective of it. That gets digressed, and then I think you will be like fallen, and, and People keep testing waters and trust me, Sometimes they put you in that situation where it becomes very challenging. But yeah, that's okay. Leader need, need not be all the time sharing good news as happy moments. Sometimes we also need to tell the fact what will work out. Yeah. And also very important thing as a person I am is that I always look at it like, okay, if this organization is now six hundred or seven hundred people, am I ready to run this organization for thousand by hundred? So any initiative, when I look at it, I will only look at it from a scalability perspective and also from a sustainability perspective and not just now and then. It it has to be a long-term perspective.
0: Yeah, thank you for adding that. And you spoke about as a person. So maybe going a bit deeper there, can you share something about yourself that most people that you work with are not aware of?
1: Okay, I'm a very open person that way, people will get to know. But the thing is that Privately speaking, I'm a person who wants to be in a very quiet zone. Okay, I'm a home bird. I don't uh, want to go out, connect with people on a private space. But my profession is completely different. You know, I think I'm able to balance it very well. Sometimes it is overwhelming, but yeah, you can't really help it because that's the profession all about. And I'm very happy and proud, proud about myself because I'm a self-made person. I've been educating my own self from my schooling Uh, it's not that my parents can't afford or anything but i come from a very lower middle-class family and i've done a lot of things to my own self i've been working you when i was in school i i've been a paper boy i worked for a factory and then i worked in a gym as a receptionist during my school and college days i've taken tuitions and then i've done project work and earned money So a lot of things and even I used to go to temples and then do some service there. Mm. So I'm a person who'd like to probably have a variety and that actually makes me happy. Anything that brings me change in life, anything that brings me a shape, then I And I can adapt to things very fast. I'm also very proud about it because if you see my life, I was in India, then I got an opportunity to go to UK. Lived there for some time and then came back again to India because of my personal reason. Mm -hmm. And again, went to Poland, a a place where I don't have any friends. I don't have any common things to connect with. And then I come from a very conservative family. So going to a place where I don't have a Hindu temple, so to say. So I don't have any place where I can meet people with similar interests, language and all Mm -hmm. that. But I think that was the best part of my life. And my learning was extremely good and I could see a new way and the family, how we are able to help each other and then work together, especially crossing COVID phase in an unknown land and with
0: new set of friends mm. and extended families. Yeah. yeah. Thank you for sharing that, being open about like your background, about where you started and also, right, that you need your time, that you need your space and actually that allows you to to be in a role which is, as you said, very different. Yeah. From yeah, from that. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So before we end, if if you were to write a book or send a message to the world, what would that that message be? I say that communication is a key in this world.
1: Whatever may be the technology, whatever hmm. things that we are going to work on, I would say uh, nobody can escape out of communication. And I still have this in my writing, in my notice boards, or wherever I work, i have this, which was given by one of my mentors. Is that express to express and don't express to impress mm-hmm. right the more the genuine you are and the more righteous you are and the more um, ethical you are people will appreciate it it's not immediately in a longer run yeah. right uh, yeah. yeah if you are going to just do it just because you want to impress somebody I think that will not stand long
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, and in fact actually I am I'm watching this Crown series now. I'm a big fan of the series now. I've been talking about it to whomever I'm meeting. And what I could get is also that the journey of the queen is more towards this express mm. to express. And she doesn't she doesn't have a chance to even impress somebody because she's by so much rules and so much regulation. Yeah. So as a communication, I would say that's what I would love to share it with the world.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I I would ask one last question based on that. I think yeah. that if we see the political world or even the business world, I think we—it it is so easy to express, to impress. It is so easy to say the nice thing or what people want to hear rather than the real thing. And especially if you are in a leadership position, people find it difficult to express authentically with you because you have power, you have position, you have decisions to make. So how do you help others to open up to you when you can sense that they are not expressing honestly? How do you help others open up? I open up first of all. Hmm. I need to tell them that I'm genuinely
1: telling them something. And if I could see that, okay, this is the relevant audience, then I even go share the detail why this happened this way. And I know also when they are sharing first time, if I'm not acting on it, then they will not trust me. If they need to openly come and share it with me something, then I need to take it seriously and then go back to them. Tell them that, hey, I heard you, I listened to you, and this is what I would like to do. And also, again, genuinely going back and saying, sorry, we will not be able to do this, right? Because not every time all the asks can be taken care of. Sometimes we need to tell them that budgets are there, regulations are there, there are limitations. So we need to also genuinely tell them, no, this is not possible, rather than let me check and get back to you. I'm not that kind of a person. So that's how people do it. And I also connect with them in a very casual manner, in a very friendly manner. I believe... A lot of times these coffee chit-chats and the gossip zones are more effective feedback than a formal board Mm. Right? And I believe the feedback when I get it from that kind of a group. I believe that, okay,
0: this is coming from their heart. And then I immediately act on it and work on it. Yeah, thank you. I think what I am taking away from our conversation is that openness, right? That openness not just to listen to those conversations which we... Then can easily ignore, but then also the openness to go in, share, and be that yourself. So leading by example and not just asking everybody to open up. You're leading and you're following that with a flexibility, but also that when to say sorry, when to draw a boundary, when to like take a stand. So it, I think it's that uh, balance or it's that uh, flexibility, whatever you call it, is what what makes you, I think, good at your role. It's not just one way or the other. It's both, right? Willing to step in, willing to step back. And then when somebody's not opening up, sharing, being open about like whatever is going on and not trying to be like a hold, hold a strong forte, but rather than being open. So thank you for sharing that. So for anybody who is listening, who wants to reach out or find out more about you, what is the best way for them to do so going forward?
1: I think LinkedIn would be the best way. I'm very active in LinkedIn. So they can search me for Hariharan Subramanian. Iris Software Group, that would be the best way because I respond to all my Mm -hmm. messages and connect with people and learn from them. So, that would be the best.
0: Thank you. Thank you once again, Hari, for opening up, for coming on the show and for sharing everything that you shared. As we end, I would like to wish you all the best going forward.
1: Thank you, Sumit. Thanks for the opportunity. I hope it will be useful for some people to know, know how it works and I'm looking forward if somebody needs to know more about me or would like to share their thoughts with me, looking forward, they can connect with me. Thanks for the opportunity once again and best wishes to you and your team and happy new year.
0: Yes, to you as well. Thank you. That's it for this episode of Choosing Leadership with Sumit Gupta. I choose leadership every time I record this podcast and I invite you to do the same. I invite you to design a life of joy, meaning, pride and satisfaction not just for yourself, but for everybody around you. If you got something out of this episode, would you share this episode on social media? And if you know somebody who would be a great guest, can you tag them on social media to let them know about the show? And if you are a leader who wants to acknowledge how far you have come and have big dreams for the future, please reach out to me to be a guest on this podcast. And I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions this is what i do most naturally to lovingly and gently provoke you to help you see your own light to help you see what you are already capable of to make sure you don't miss any episodes go ahead and subscribe your thumbs up ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and it means a lot to me and my team if you want to know more go to deployyourself.com and subscribe to my newsletter or follow me on LinkedIn. I want to thank everyone who contributed to making this show a reality. And I want to thank you for listening. Always remember that you are enough, you are loved and you matter. This is Sumit. Until next time, keep choosing leadership.